I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Sim. I have to apologise if there was any feedback there. Uh, somehow I had the tab open on the other tab and oh, mess. Anyway, perfect start. Uh, hopefully Arsenal get off to a better start at Crystal Palace on Monday night. But hello, welcome to you all. Hope you're doing good. Um, good to have you all here on this Saturday morning. The sun is shining here again in London, which always makes me feel better, except it is bloody freezing cold. We've had snow over the last couple of days, which is weird at this time of year, to say the least. Um, just when we thought the weather was turning, we end up uh, back in the same position where we're having to dig out those winter coats that we maybe put away a couple of weeks ago. Uh, looking forward to this one, looking forward to previewing our trip to Selhurst Park on Monday. It's a big, big game for the Gunners. Of course, there are a lot of uh, fixtures still to be played. There's a lot of difficult fixtures for Arsenal still to play. But this is one that, although it has the potential to be uh, very, very difficult and it's uh, one that has the potential to prove itself a banana skin in a game that we could quite easily end up coming away with nothing from. You feel, looking at some of the fixtures that we've got coming up, that this is one that we really do uh, need to pick up, uh, of course, uh, all three points from. Um, we're going to go through the fixture. We're going to look at it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to uh, share the lineup that I'd like to see uh, selected. We're going to talk with you guys in the chat about your thoughts and your predictions. We're also going to answer some of your questions towards the back end of the show. There's lots and lots, as always, to get through. Uh, but there is one place I want to start, and it's not really Arsenal related. It is World Cup draw related. Now, I put out a video Yesterday, our audio listeners might not have seen it, but if you're not uh, subscribed to the YouTube channel, do get over there and subscribe too, because there is some content that we do here that is only exclusive uh, to the YouTube channel. So you might want to head over and check yourselves out, uh, check it out for yourselves, I mean. Uh, so do come over and have a look. But yeah, the video I put out um, about, um, about the World Cup draw, I said that I felt like England would be laughing, that England would be looking at that group and feeling as though it's a really, really good group. And I think some people kind of took that the wrong way in the comments. I started getting uh, a few comments saying, you know, it's arrogant and it's cocky. And let me just clear one thing up, OK? For those of you that have been subscribed since the last European Championship, you'll know that I'm not an England fan. So when I say that England are laughing, I mean that England have a really comfortable group, a group that I believe they're going to stroll through. And if they don't stroll through it, well, then that will be shame on them more than anything else. It's not to say that the USA are a bad side and people took the USA bit uh, as, a, as a, a bit of an issue. Um, but I just think based on what was available, I mean, you looked in pot two and there were teams like Germany, the Netherlands in there. So to end up with the USA, I think is a really favourable um, a really favourable uh, draw for England. I, I I don't think that that was an outrageous thing to say, but obviously uh, some people have not liked that. I mean, if you look at some of USA's uh, recent results, they were beaten by Canada uh, by two goals to nil back in uh, January. They drew with Mexico. That There's no shame in that. 
uh, difficult game. They did lose at Costa Rica, uh, managed to beat El Salvador by just a goal to nil. Um, so just looking back at some of their results, a 1-1 draw with uh, Jamaica back in November. When you look at those results, they're not a side that you, you look at and think, oh my God, they're going to be a big problem for England. And that was all the point I was making. I think that England, you have to, you have to give them a bit more respect now because they have gone to the semi-final of the last World Cup, followed by a European Championship final. And you have to say, I mean, the bookmakers have got them as second favourites to win the World Cup. So if you're second favourites to win the World Cup, you can't look at that group and um, and say that, you know, <laughs> and say that that's not uh, an easy group and a group that, England should be strolling through. And it's not meant to be sort of disrespectful to the USA or to any of the other teams in that group. I just feel like England, based on what they could have got, will feel that that's probably the best possible outcome. Um, and so they'll be delighted. That was the point. Uh, let's see what you guys are saying in the chat, because there's quite a few of you joining us at the moment. Big hello to Henry, to Maximus, to Walter, to Tom, to Abdi. Uh, to Peeny Wing, to Creambone, to uh, Guna Vettel, uh, to Noah. I uh, hope you guys are all well. The Stilton Avenger is with us as well. Um, he says, uh, starting a new job tomorrow, so finally have time to tune in again. Wishing you all the best in that, mate. Um, all the best for the future. Uh, good luck with that. Love to um, love to hear how it goes, so do keep us across that in the chat and, of course, in the Discord server. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button, subscribe to the channel if you are new. Got a little bit of housekeeping that we need to do before we dive right into the preview. So I want to do that now so I don't have to disturb the show a little bit later on. But first of all, don't forget, if you haven't done so already, to hit uh, the like button and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, also, just want to bring to your attention that we'll be doing a live watch along tomorrow night of the Derby d'Italia uh, between Juve and Inter. That's going to be a huge, huge game. So much riding on it at the top of the Serie A table. Uh, Inter, of course, looking to retain the Scudetto, but they're having a bit of difficulty and they don't come much harder than a trip away to Juventus. We'll be covering that one right here on the channel. So if you fancy coming along, I know I always bang on about Serie A, so I thought I'd try and give something back. Come over to the channel. We'll be live at 7.30pm and we'll be going through that one in detail. Very much looking forward to it. OK, let's dive into it. Crystal Palace versus Arsenal on Monday night. We have to wait until Monday to watch our team in action. The international break has felt like it went on for an absolute age. So to now have to wait till Monday, it is a little bit frustrating. Does it add extra pressure to us, the fact that we've got to play after everyone else? Yeah, it can do. I mean, if everybody else's results go the right way from their perspective, then it does add a little bit more pressure for the Gunners. But the flip side of that is if some of those teams that we're in in um, sort of uh, direct competition with, uh, we would end up, um, you know, it, it, sorry, if some of those teams that we're in direct competition with end up dropping points, we then have the pressure kind of relieved from us, don't we, going into that game? And that could prove really, really significant. So it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. It can go both ways. I guess we've got an extra couple of days rest. I guess we've got a bit of extra time to work with the players after they come back from international duty, which might be seen as a bit of an advantage in some senses. But one thing is for sure, you won't catch me making excuses um, just because I think that, you know, 
when you when you're in this position as Arsenal are, when you're in uh, a place where you're chasing a top four finish, when you're in a place where most people and and I always say this that it's still quite evenly balanced and it's still quite evenly poised, but everybody else sees us as the favourites here now to finish in the top four. That adds pressure in itself, but. You can't use things uh, like this as an excuse. Yes, some of our fixture scheduling has been shit this season. Uh, the fact that we've had to sometimes play, what, three games in nine days hasn't been great. But I guess what I want to say is that I'm not going to go into this game and say, oh, you know, we're playing on Monday and if we don't win it, that's the reason why. As I said, I think there are some advantages to that as well. Um, the only disadvantage really being that additional pressure that comes if Tottenham, Man United, etc. pick up the results that they want uh, ahead of that one. So let's see how it goes. Um, looking back at the fixture history, let's do that. Let's have a look at how things have gone between these two sides of late because Crystal Palace over the last few seasons have turned into a bit of a bogey team for Arsenal and there's no real uh, getting away from that. Let me just uh, share the screen for those of you watching us on YouTube um, where is it? Here we go. Uh, yeah, if you look at the recent meetings, uh, obviously we won at Selhurst Park last season at the back end of last season, but they held us to a 2-2 draw at Emirates earlier on in this campaign, 18th of October, and it was a late, late equaliser from Alexander Lacazette that saw us uh, pick up something from that game. We drew with them back in January 2021, 0-0. Um, we drew at Selhurst Park 1-1. And before that was another draw uh, at Emirates Stadium 2-2. So we've only beaten Crystal Palace once in the last five Premier League fixtures. So when I say they're a bit of a bogey team, I think that's exactly right. I think what gives me a little bit more encouragement going into this game are a couple of things. So first of all, I think that we've become better at breaking teams down than we were earlier on in the season. I think we're playing with a bit more of a flow and with a bit more of a swag, with a bit more tempo, with a bit more intensity. And I think that that has given us a greater chance of unlocking some of these defences that earlier on in the season we probably had a difficulty with. The other thing is, I talk about unlocking defences, but Crystal Palace are nowhere near as defensive, as deep-lying and as negative as they were under Roy Hodgson. Now, I'm not knocking Roy Hodgson. He did what he needed to do to keep Crystal Palace in the division um, under difficult circumstances on more than one occasion. So you have to respect Roy Hodgson's way, Roy Hodgson's methods, and the fact that they did get results against us highlights that he was right to do what he did. But in Patrick Vieira, you've got a more expansive Crystal Palace side. You've got a side who can dig in and be difficult to break down when they want to be, when they need to be, but who also have the ability to take the game to you. They're a much bigger threat as an attacking force than they've probably been in the last four or five seasons. So to see that um, obviously does worry you a little bit, but the fact that they are more likely to take the game to us than a Roy Hodgson Crystal Palace, for me, feels like, although we're going to have to be defensively alert and on our toes, we will have opportunities to break lines and get in behind them if we do it in the right way. So it's going to be a bit more of an open game. And I think that that probably suits us. We have got more quality in that final third uh, than Crystal Palace do. And so you feel that if it is a bit of a shootout, if it is a bit of a free-for-all, an end-to-end -end game, uh, a bit chaotic, then I think that Arsenal might be uh, better off with that. So that's um that's my in initial sort of feelings going into the game. A lot of people have asked me sort of like, you know, 
oh, how desperate are we for Patrick Vieira to kind of just let us have one? I don't think Patrick Vieira, knowing the competitor he is, would, you know, give Arsenal anything. I don't think Patrick Vieira would even think about that. I don't think it would cross his mind. But what I would say is that Crystal Palace's minds may subconsciously be on the FA Cup. They are in the semi-final. They will play uh, Chelsea in that semi-final. Although it's a game they're not the favourites going into. It's a game they'll feel they have an opportunity to win. They could have drawn City. They could have drawn Liverpool. You'd argue that Chelsea, of those three teams, was the best draw they could have hoped for. And in a one-off game at Wembley, you never know. Um, so has Crystal Palace's focus even subconsciously, slightly shifted towards the FA Cup, perhaps. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we can go there arrogant. It doesn't mean that we can go there uh, sort of thinking we can coast through this game. It doesn't mean we can go there without being at our very best and expect to come away uh, with anything. So, look, Patrick Vieira's Arsenal connection is a strong one. We adore him. We love him. Every other game of the season... I want Patrick Vieira to win. I want Patrick Vieira to succeed. I want Crystal Palace to succeed. I've told you guys before, um, I, I do have a soft spot for Crystal Palace. But that all has to be put to one side. And equally, I expect Patrick Vieira to be able to put his connection with Arsenal to one side as well. Because he's a professional. He's a competitor. He's a warrior. He's done a very, very good job this season, despite many at the start of the campaign tipping him to be the first manager to lose his job. He's lasted this long and he's done an excellent job. Crystal Palace secure, safe in mid-table and in an FA Cup semi-final. I don't think the Crystal Palace fans could have asked much more from Patrick Vieira this season. Add to that, he's blooded through a lot of young talent. He's developed a lot of young talent and they've now got a new look, um, progressive side to go and watch week in, week out. I think you have to tip your hat to him. And I think that he's done a very, very good job. Going back to the history uh, in this fixture, how does it look overall in the Premier League? Well, it's very much stacked in Arsenal's favour, despite that disappointing run of late in which we've beaten them just once in our last five league meetings. But we've played 25 times in the Premier League overall. Arsenal have won 14 of those games. Crystal Palace just three. And there have been eight draws between the two sides. If we look at the recent form guide, well, Arsenal are in the better form. Undoubtedly, Arsenal have won four of their last five victories at Villa, at Watford, uh, victories at home against Leicester and Wolverhampton Wanderers. Just that Liverpool defeat at Emirates Stadium uh, in between there, which obviously... Um, fortunately for us, didn't do too much damage. Uh, Crystal Palace, though, they've won two of their last five and drawn two. It's pretty good for a side uh, sort of uh, of Crystal Palace's stature. The only defeat in their last five came against Chelsea and it was a narrow defeat, 1-0. Impressive wins away at Watford and away at Wolves. Uh, an impressive draw as well at home to Manchester City, which blew the title race wide open. When you look at the two teams and their seasons so far, they sit in 12th. Uh, Arsenal sit in fourth at the moment. The Gunners have won 10 more games than Palace this season, 17 in comparison to their seven. They've drawn 13 times, which suggests that they don't get beaten very, very easily, even when they've not got enough to get over the line and claim all three points. They've only lost one more game than us and they're in 12th, which shows that Although we talk about them being a bit more free-flowing, a bit more creative, a bit more expansive, they're still very difficult to beat. They're still 
a very stubborn opponent. Uh, they've scored on average 1.34 goals per game in comparison to Arsenal's 1.57. Uh, on average, they create more big chances per match than us. That's according to the Premier League statistics. Read of that what you will. Uh, in terms of goals, uh, Wilfred Zaha, Emil Smith-Rowe and Bukayo Saka are all on nine in the Premier League this season. Alexander Lacazette leads the race between the two sides when it comes to assists, but Michael Elise and Bukayo Saka not too far behind on five. Mark Gay and Joachim Anderson uh, lead the way in passes, which tells you exactly what we're going to get from Crystal Palace in terms of their desire and wanting to build out from the back. Um, I think that statistic gives it away that the first port of call for Patrick Vieira's side is to release the ball to the centre-halves and look at them to try and build play from deeper areas. And Anderson and Gwaii have done a really good job of that so far this season. When it comes to tackles, well, we're not even in the conversation. Across the two sides, Tyrick Mitchell uh, leads the way with 90. Connor Gallagher, who's been a revelation since joining Crystal Palace on loan, uh, sits in second with Cheku Kuyate in third. Not an Arsenal player in sight there. So those are some of the stats, some of the facts going into this game. Uh, as I say, a lot riding on it for Arsenal, given their uh, ambitions of finishing in the top four. Not so much um, for Crystal Palace, who sit in mid-table, but they're still going to be a difficult opponent. And we haven't even discussed the factor of going to Selhurst Park under the lights. Now, I know that's a little bit of a cliche in football, and I'm one of those people that hates it when people just bat off cliches in, a, in an attempt to kind of dress that up as footballing knowledge. But in this instance, it is a thing. Crystal Palace do generate a very, very good atmosphere at Selhurst Park. And I'm expecting that uh, to be the case again on Monday night. So that's another thing that Arsenal need to be ready for, prepared for and be able to contend with. OK, um, let's uh, let's move on to the team I would like to see selected um, and, and obviously we've had some some team news from Mikel Arteta, um, who has told us that Bukayo Saka uh, should be fit and available. Uh, he's told us that Aaron Ramsdale is very much a doubt still, given the problem that he has, uh, that they were going to reassess him. But I'd be very surprised if Aaron Ramsdale came back into the side as soon as Monday. And of course, we've heard that Takahiro Tomiyasu is very close to making a return. Taking all of that into consideration, taking into consideration the international break, all that happened then, how would I set up Arsenal to take on Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park? Well, if there is any doubt over Aaron Ramsdale, then it's got to be Burnt Leno. I know that Burnt Leno isn't the um, isn't as complete a goalkeeper as Aaron Ramsdale in the sense of I do think our distribution from the back suffers when he's not in the team. I do think that he's not as dominant aerially in terms of coming and getting crosses, in terms of taking the pressure off of his centre-backs. And I did say post the Villa game um, and, and in the lead up to the Villa game that I thought that maybe with Leno playing, you might see the defence drop off just ever so slightly in anticipation of the fact that Leno isn't as quick off his line necessarily and isn't as or, or doesn't find that as natural uh, to kind of be that sweeper keeper. But Leno did a pretty decent job at Villa. You have to give him credit. And he made a couple of smart stops as well. Made a couple of big claims from crosses, which is something that we often say he doesn't do. Uh, so he silenced a lot of people in that sense. I think, as I said before, when you look at the positions and you look at sort of what we have available in terms of backup players in this squad, I don't know that we've got a stronger deputy in any other position than goalkeeper. We've got a German international goalkeeper 
um, to come in as the second choice. So perhaps just because we will adore Aaron Ramsdale and we like what he's brought to the club, we we overblew uh, what the impact might be of, of Aaron Ramsdale being missing. Now, I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to curse it. And hopefully I don't. Um, that Bern Leno has shortcomings and, and he's not, as I say, as complete a goalkeeper as Aaron Ramsdale. And the way we play, uh, I think that can show at times. But I'm, I'm not going into this game sort of shitting myself that Bern Leno is going to cost us it. And that's that's uh, something you've got to you've got to take into consideration. I think at left back, it's it's pretty obvious that Kieran Tierney will continue. Uh, Gabriel, who um, whose missus gave birth uh, just the other day, so congratulations to him. I'm sure he'll be shattered. I'm sure it'll be a difficult sort of uh, couple of weeks for him. But to know that the baby's been delivered safe and sound, I think we'll um, we'll maybe take a bit of a weight off of Gabriel's shoulders, and he might be tired. But if he can get his head down and he can battle through this one, it would be great. He doesn't have that thing in the back of his mind going into the game that the baby might be born and I might have to rush off or I might miss it. So I think that knowing that the baby's here and knowing that the baby's healthy and, and everything's good um, will kind of take a bit of a weight off of Gabriel's shoulders going into this game, uh, despite what's expected to be uh, a bit of fatigue, lack of sleep, etc. cetera. Uh, ben White, of course, fresh off of the back of some England uh, appearances. I expect to partner him uh, at the on the right side of centre-back. And I think for me, if there's still a doubt over Tomiyasu, then you've got to go with Cedric. He's in decent form at the moment. He's hardly put a foot wrong of late. Um, he's playing with a lot of confidence at the moment. And I just, when I when I think about this Tomiyasu injury that seems to be a recurring thing that has seemed to have plagued us for or plagued him for, for a while now, with every week we're hearing he's nearly back, he's close, he's training, he's doing this. And then the match day comes along and he's not in the squad. That makes me think that, this whole thing was a lot more of a concern than Mikel Arteta or Arsenal ever wanted to put across to the fans. And so I think that we've got to be cautious. I think Mikel Arteta alluded to the fact that we've got to be cautious and careful with Tommy Asu and managing his recovery. So for me, Cedric continues at right back. The midfield, well, it's easy for me. Thomas Partey has been sensational uh, in recent weeks in that defensive midfield position and, of course, scored the decisive goal for Ghana to book their place in the World Cup uh, in Qatar. So uh, congratulations to him and congratulations to Ghana. And he'll be uh, feeling very, very confident. Uh, Martin Odegaard uh, will play in uh, that familiar position for me, uh, just slightly to the right of the midfield trio with Granite Xhaka playing in the other position. Again, I've talked about this a lot lately, so I don't want to keep going over the same things. But in Xhaka, you get someone who's shown himself to be competent in this more advanced role, but also has the ability that if you're up against it a little bit, if you're struggling uh, during a certain period, he can just drop back and sit alongside Thomas Partey and give us that little bit of extra protection that you may need in a way game. And the pair as a combination have been solid. So um, I think Xhaka gives us that flexibility. And I think that's why Mikel Arteta is, is quite happy for him to be in the team week in, week out, among a number of other reasons. I think Bukayo Saka, as long as he's fit enough, uh, will start from the right. He's so, so important to this Arsenal side at the moment. Lacazette will play through the middle. Well, because we don't have another centre forward that I trust enough. And from the left-hand side, this is the interesting bit, right? Because Smith Rowe played at Villa and I thought he played quite well at Villa. Um, I think he gives us something slightly different to Gabriel Martinelli. I think he gives us something uh, that's a little bit more measured, something that's a little bit more 
sophisticated in terms of his movement, in terms of the spaces he drifts into. And he seems to be or seems to have developed a knack for timing his runs really well and getting into the right places to score goals. So Emil Smith-Rowe um, is a good shout. Martinelli is a good shout too. It's a really, really difficult one, this. I think given we're away from home, uh, I might go with Emil Smith-Rowe, but obviously uh, he was unwell while on England duty. So that's assuming that he's available um, and fit to feature. I would go with Emil Smith-Rowe, but, um, you know, I wouldn't have an issue if Mikel Arteta was to pick Gabby Martinelli for this game as well, because both of them have uh, been brilliant of late. Uh, both of them have got different things to offer. Just depends on how Mikel Arteta reads this game tactically. And I think that will determine what he does. I think that he links up with Kieran Tierney a little bit better. And when we were talking about Crystal Palace being despite a lot more progressive and open against Arsenal, they're not stupid. They will be a little bit more reserved, I'd imagine. And I just think that we probably will need to get Kieran Tierney forward, maybe to create that overload and create that extra bit of space on the left-hand side. In which case, another reason for maybe opting for Emil Smith-Rowe is that he seems to work better with Tierney as a pairing, as opposed to Tierney's combination play with Gabby Martinelli, who's very much a left forward, as opposed to someone who wants to drift inside and who leaves those spaces uh, for uh, the fullback to exploit. So that's my team to face uh, Crystal Palace. Of course, the last injury update we got, the last team news we got was from Mikel Arteta during uh, the thir uh, Thursday press conference, Friday press conference, whenever it was, end of the week press conference. But obviously with Arsenal playing on Monday, uh, a lot can change uh, between now and then. So my 11 to face Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park on Monday night is Burnt Leno in goal, Cedric, White, Gabriel and Tierney across the back line, Partey, Odegaard and Xhaka in midfield, Saka from the right, Emil Smith-Rowe from the left and Alexander Lacazette through the middle. That's the team I'd pick. Lacazette comes into this, of course, fresh off the back of scoring a hat-trick in a behind-closed-doors friendly. I know it was against Brentford B. I know it wasn't against anybody of note, but it would have done his confidence the world of good because he's gone a long, long time, Alexander Lacazette, uh, without scoring, I think, in the Premier League. I've read something, how many hours it was. We won't get into that, but he's not scored enough goals, Alexander Lacazette, and he'll know that. He'll know that better than anyone. He'll be his own biggest critic. So he will have, uh, I think, been quite relieved to have found the back of the net, albeit in a friendly. And I think as a consequence of that, we could see uh, a better Alexander Lacazette, hopefully, on Monday night. So that's my team. In terms of a prediction, and I've been pretty close with the predictions of late. I've, I've been on a good run. I think I've got a couple of results right in the last couple of weeks, but maybe the score was one goal out. Um, but here we go. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with a 3-1 Arsenal win here. I feel like Crystal Palace will score, but I, th I feel like we'll score too. I feel like they'll leave us spaces to exploit if we do it right, given that they're not just going to sit back. I mean, they've got nothing to lose, Crystal Palace. They're not going down. They're not in desperate need of a point. So why not try and go for, for all three? It's an opportunity for them to show themselves in front of the sky cameras on a Monday night. The crowd will be bouncing. I think that they'll take the game to us where possible. And so I think that um, th there will be spaces. And I think if we're clinical enough, and that's always the question mark with this Arsenal side is, can we be clinical enough when it matters? But if we are, I think we'll score 
two, three goals. Um, I, I do think we'll concede though as well. My prediction is uh, is 3-1 to the Arsenal. Let's have your predictions in the chat and let's get some of your questions for the remainder of the show. Fill up the chat box and we're going to be back in just a second. Okay, welcome back to the show. Let's take some of your thoughts. Let's take some of your views from the live uh, chat box. Let's see what you guys uh, have to say. Um, Johnny Crip tonight. Let me just pick up this one from Johnny. He says, never underestimate the difference a night game under the lights uh, can make. It helps the home side and Selhurst will be bouncing. Yeah, it will be indeed. That is for sure. Um, Harvey says, can it also be a good thing having pressure on you? Yeah, it can be. Um, you know, it means that you go into the game in a, in a certain mindset, in a certain frame of mind that you would think mitigates the risk of, of being complacent. Uh, you know, so yeah, I think that it can be a good thing, but it's, I think having some pressure is a good thing. Having loads of pressure can be a hindrance. So I think, you know, the, the pressure is there regardless, but if, you know, if we go into the game, having seen some results around us go our way, I think the pressure to, take advantage of that is a better type of pressure than the pressure where you're needing to get that particular result. So yeah, it can be a good thing. Um, but I think you can have a bit of pressure without having a ton of pressure. And that's obviously the dream scenario, but that is of course not in our hands. Um, I think my only, my big worry though, and, and a worry that I always have after international breaks is how has it disrupted the rhythm? You know, how has it, disrupted momentum and we were on a good run you know yes we lost that game to Liverpool but we bounced back instantly with a win at Villa which was a really big and significant win um, and you felt like the momentum was there and now to have to kind of try and restart and find that again straight away is going to be difficult often uh, you see a poor standard of game um, after the international break in terms of the two sides and their kind of cohesion you do find that a lot not just with Arsenal but generally speaking so yeah, my concern is probably more how has the international break impacted our rhythm more than it is about sort of pressure. Luke Williams says, uh, are you worried about Ramsdale not being fit for the game and Leno being in for a few games? Look, from, from what we've heard from Mikel Arteta, it looks as though Aaron Ramsdale is going to be back sooner than probably a lot of us thought. Um, you know, obviously the international break has taken up nearly a couple of weeks, which is uh, obviously maybe... It's why we think he's not been out for that long, but in actual fact, he has. Look, I think Aaron Ramsdale, as I say, brings a, a lot to the team in terms of his distribution, in terms of the way he takes pressure off of his defence, in terms of his communication. I think all of those things are valid. I think Bern Leno, though, is a good goalkeeper too. Um, not perfect for the way we want to play. He's not the perfect fit. But as far as replacements go, I don't think you'll find much better. So, Look, in an ideal world, I'd rather have the first choice goalkeeper available, but this is not something that I'm losing sleep over, if that makes sense. Uh, let's see what else we've got uh, in the chat. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Uh, Calvin Wade says, I think we're a different animal now. If you remember the Emirates match, their goals were breakaways. They won't do that, given the improvements in our system will keep them camped in their own half. I think that's a really good point, Calvin. I think what we've learned to do and what we've sort of added to our game in recent weeks is this ability to almost Manchester City style. Obviously, we're not as good as that, but sort of push our back line up to the halfway line and squeeze people in. 
and play the game within a half of a pitch. And what that does is it means that you can be more aggressive in your press because you've got smaller distances to cover. And having the centre-backs that we do now that we didn't have in previous seasons has allowed us to do that. You no longer fear a ball over the top because you, you feel like Gabriel has the pace and the strength and the power to deal with it and get back. You also look at someone like Ben White, who maybe isn't as powerful in the air, maybe um, I would say it's a bit quicker than people give him credit for, but has a real good understanding and reading of the game. And I think that's important too. Uh, looking at some of your predictions, Riddy's gone uh, for 1-1. Peeny Ween's gone for 1-1. Uh, Wayne Francis has gone 3-1 Arsenal. Uh, Creambone Trev agrees with me. Uh, Stilton Avengers gone 2-1. Uh, Walter says a dramatic at three, two. So lots of varying predictions in the chat box, but look, and some of you are predicting a draw. And listen, as I say, if Tottenham were to slip up, I think they play Newcastle. And if Manchester United were to slip up, then all of a sudden a one, one draw doesn't look like the worst result in the world. We have to take it week by week. And I know people say, if you focus on your own job, then you know, that's the way to do it. And you shouldn't be distracted by the results others have. But the results have a direct impact on on our season as well. So the way to do it is not to rely on those results, but it's to, you know, if, say, for example, those two sides dropped points this week, it's it then gives us a bit of breathing space as opposed to gives us a free hit. That's how I see it. That breathing space gives you the ability to reduce the pressure on your players if you're the manager and you do that, sometimes it can work to your advantage. What else have we got in the chat? Um, uh, Peeny Wynn says, uh, would it be smarter to leave Tommy on the bench for Palace, even if he is fit, to protect him that little bit more? I think so. Uh, Talal Ashur says, what exactly is Tommy Asu's injury? It feels like ages since he played. So he initially had a calf problem. And during his recovery from that calf problem, he injured the other calf, which we're told is quite a common thing. Um, in terms of sort of players recovering, it, it can be quite easy to strain the other one when you are uh, overly reliant on it because of your sort of reservations about sort of putting weight and pressure on the other one. So, yeah, I think that um, it, it's not ideal, but it's obviously something that Arsenal are aware of and, and will be managing, hopefully, correctly uh, moving forward. What else have we got? Um, Stilton Avengers says, I can't remember anything tactically that we got wrong in the last game. I think it was just an off game. Is that correct? Yeah, we, I felt like we just gave the ball away sloppily. Like we were really sloppy uh, in various points of that game. And we gave ourselves like a mountain to climb, didn't we, after that? Um, look, we were criticised, weren't we, for, for sort of being happy with the draw. But given the circumstances, when you score deep into stoppage time, you've you got to be quite pleased with that point and it just kept the momentum going it just kept that unbeaten run that we were on at the time going it just kept us uh sort of moving in the right direction so yeah um I, I agree with you I don't think it was a tactical issue in the Emirates uh, fixture I think it was more just being a little bit slack uh in certain moments and that costing us uh really says morning Harry do you think the praise for us during this interlull might lead to complacency um there has been praise uh, but I think I take encouragement in the way Mikel Arteta speaks um, that he is very much aware of the fact that there's a lot of work to be done. And I would hope that he's getting that message across to the players, which can hopefully sort of reduce the risk of complacency creeping in. Look, I think the praise we've got has been warranted. You know, I, as I said to you guys yesterday, I'm not sure that Mikel Arteta deserved the Manager of the Month award because 
when you just look at some of the records of some of the other teams during that period, it is hard to make a case for him having lost that game to Liverpool. But it just goes to show, doesn't it, that the, the eyes are on Arsenal at the moment. People are talking about us again. Um, but that's for the club and the team and the manager to manage internally, make sure that that doesn't creep in, make sure uh, that they do um, sort of get their heads in the right place. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Harvey says, hit the likes uh, over 140 watching, just 38 likes on the board. Guys, 50 on the board now, but that's still not good enough. Let's try and get it uh, up to 100 uh, between now and the end of the stream. I'd be most, most grateful uh, for that. Uh, what else have we got? I'm going to pick up a couple more questions just before uh, I jump off because I am joining uh, Tom Canton over on the Guna Talk. Uh, for the Canton and Simeon show for this week in around about 10 minutes time. Uh, there we go. Uh, Jermaine, uh, just refreshing our minds. Lakonga and Partey both losing the ball, which resulted in goals in the last game. I think you're right. Um, I certainly remember the Lakonga one. I had that in my mind uh, when we were talking about it a little bit earlier on. Aidan Wheeler says, would you like to see Pepe getting some more game time against Crystal Palace? Well, I watched, I watched Pepe against France. Um, and I thought he was really good and really, really effective. I just think that, that Bukayo Saka is just at such a high level at this moment in time that he um, he he needs to be in the starting lineup. And I think that Nicolas Pepe, as I keep saying, has a role to play and a part to play and a big part to play at that if Arsenal are going to push on and, and you know meet their objectives this season. But by that same token, I don't think you can start him ahead of Bukayo Saka. I think... There are differences in what the two players offer. I think that Saka's all-round game is more complete. I think he gives us more um, throughout the 90. But I think that Pepe gives more of a goal threat than most people. And I know the stats don't always back that up, but his appearances this season have been sort of bit-part appearances. Like the Wolves game, I thought he was sensational when he came on. And he just kind of reminded us of what he can do. Scored a good goal uh, for the Ivory Coast in France as well. Um, again, reminding people of what he can do in that final third. So he's great to have to call upon. I think he's kind of got to adapt his mindset a bit to the the understanding that that is the role he's going to play in an Arsenal shirt. Um, and, and his future will be up for debate come the summer, I'm sure. But at this moment in time, I think that you've got to go with Bukayo Saka. I'd love to see Pepe play more and get given more opportunities, but I, I don't really see who you'd leave out to give him those opportunities. So that would be my take on that. OK, uh, we are going to leave it there. Um, as I say, jump over to the Guna Talk TV uh, in a few minutes time for uh, the Canton and Simeon show for this week. I'll be talking to Tom about all things Arsenal and whatever else Tom uh, throws into the equation as well. Very much looking forward to that. Make sure you head over to the Guna Talk and subscribe there as well. Um, OK, hit the like button if you haven't done so already. Uh, we're still quite a way away from the 100 likes mark, but I'm confident we can get much closer between now and the outro rolling. Don't forget to join me uh, tomorrow evening, UK time, 7.30pm for our live watch along of Juventus versus Inter in the Derby d'Italia. Huge, huge game that, uh, of course, in Italian football. And I'm going to be watching it anyway. So I figured, seeing as I'm trying to convert you all into Serie A viewers week in, week out, this would be a good opportunity to do a watch along, get you guys involved in the comments and uh, enjoy the game in each other's company. I'll be back very, very soon with more here on the channel. Until next time, take care of yourselves and goodbye. Come on, you gunners. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry 